0: Our focal passage for this series leading generously has been Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 through 8 But whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The whole title of this series is Leading Generously. If you're new with us, this is the third and final year that we've been walking through this generosity series. And uh, the idea of this verse is that before we can become truly generous, we have to learn to see everything that we have and that we've been giving as something that we are willing to give away. Everything. Everything we have, we know has been given to us in some way or another, and to be truly generous, we can't just choose which of those things that we're willing to part with, okay? The title for today's clip is Capacity. And the question for today is, how can I increase the capacity of others? Not only just thinking all the time about increasing my own capacity, which is, you know, contrary to everything that we read and we hear these days, it's important for us to increase our own capacity, you know, financially or knowledge or whatever it is. We need to be focusing on us, you know, work on ourselves, take care of ourselves so that we can be good for ourselves but the idea today is that we can begin to focus more on increasing the capacity of those around us, those that we have influence over. The main verse that I'm going to focus on today that we'll come back to a couple of times, if you want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that to faithful men who will then be able to teach that to others also. Okay, let me read it again. You then, my child, this is Paul talking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. So there is this procedure that continues on down the line. It doesn't just stop with one person. Expanding your biblical knowledge, studying God's word, reading this verse like this, listening to people like Timothy listening to Paul, listening to those people that God puts around us, like Pastor Sidney. When we expand our biblical knowledge, we actually grow our own capacity so that we can build into the lives of others, not just so that it stops with us. So God's own generosity, we have to say this first because a lot of times we hear generous and what do we think of? Money, yeah, finances, which is part of being generous, but God's own generosity extends far beyond the financial realm, and so can ours. Your generosity with your time and your talents, your love and your life can increase others' capacity to bless the kingdom of God. If you believe that generosity is all about the money that you give, then the potential impact of your generosity, okay, is limited by the size of your bank account. True? True. But if you understand that generosity is about giving yourself in Christ-like service and helping others to do the same, passing it on, multiplication, then the potential impact of your generosity is unbounded. There's a verse in in Psalm chapter 90. You don't have to try to turn there. Verse 12, Psalm 90, 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. The point here is not to obsess about when or how you're going to die. Okay, That's not the point. The point is to consider how short our life is And how are we going to use that to impact the kingdom of God, to make a plan, to understand that we're not here forever, and what are we going to accomplish while we're here? Is it all about increasing our own capacity or increasing the capacity of others around us so that we'll live on for, for a lot much longer than we do? Most recently, I went to visit my grandmother's in East Tennessee, and it was a lot more emotional trip than I expected it to be. They had told me that Granny Brownie was probably not going to be around much longer, and it's been a while since I've seen her, so I mostly went to see her, and uh, and I'm not very emotional, okay, so I'm just not that kind of a person, but it was a hard trip for me, and I, it wasn't just seeing her, you know, uh, at the... At the home there, just kind of getting older and weaker and knowing that she could go. I think, honestly, as I got home and thought about it, it was I was very grateful and thankful for the role that she played in me coming to know the Lord. So because of her generosity, wanting to expand the capacity of others, mainly her children, my dad, she passed down Christ to him. And he, to me, and my brother, and hopefully, you know, we've already passed down Christ to, to Braxton and Ainsley and, and Jonathan, his children. And hopefully they continue to do that on. And I was emotional because I thought how great it was that she wasn't only concerned about her own capacity. Okay? I want us to watch this first clip. Pretty good stuff, huh? What did you learn about Ray in that video? He was afraid. What do you think he was feeling when that that woman came with her son and she said all those good things about him? What's that? He was unworthy. He was thinking about how he had not done those things for his own daughter, right? Right. But even the verse that the little boy quoted back to him or saying what he had learned, remember, that even when I break my promises, I learned God still loves me because he's my father. And so even when we sometimes miss out on being generous to those around us or we have missed that chance, it doesn't mean our chance is over. Because Ray, obviously, he lives now to increase the capacity of others around him every chance he gets, Right? And so that was the idea, something that, that even though we sometimes miss out and we're not always perfect at it, we can always be looking to increase the capacity of others around us. There's a couple of verses that in the New Testament that I'm going to read. And the, the first one is 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. And it says, this is Paul talking, he says, For what is our hope? or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? He's talking to this church. Is it not you? You are our glory and joy. And then in Philippians four, verse one, he says, therefore my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul sees those that he has influenced as his crown. Isn't that cool? He, he, he says his crown, his joy, his glory is those people he's invested in. He doesn't point to himself. He doesn't point to all his accomplishments and all the great things he's done. But he points to those he's invested in and the things that they are doing. See how that works? It's, it's this uh, multiplication that goes past ourselves. At Heritage, we want this kind of relationship stuff to become normal too this idea of discipleship relationships or mentorship relationships. I want you to ask someone to mentor you the way Lance did. Remember, he just said, hey, you think we could kind of sit down and talk about this this thing, how you're so good at at priorities and the things that you see? I want to learn from you. I think it would be great if it would be normal for us to go to someone and ask them that kind of question. I think it would be great too if we would be that person for someone. Like Frank was doing to do for Lance and that Frank was doing for the little boy Shane, right? He was going to say, "I'll, I'll spend time mentoring you, discipling you, sharing what I've learned with you so that then you can then share that with someone else. If we don't act this way, then everything that we learn stops with us. I love that quote he said when he was talking to Lance at the end. He said, if you want to really get a handle on your priorities... Find a way to increase the capacity of others and quit worrying about your own. That's really hard. I mean, one of my biggest struggles is that I'm selfish. I mean, I wake up in the morning thinking about me. You know, number one, what am I going to eat? Number two, what am I going to do? Number three, what can I do to put me and my family in some sort of better situation than we were in yesterday, right? I mean, this is what stuff that we think about, especially living where we live. How can I be uh, richer, healthier, happier, whatever it is? And this quote, it kind of hit home with me really hard when he says, you gotta quit thinking about your own capacity and start thinking about how can you increase the capacity of others around you because that's the thing that will last I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 18. This is where we're going to kind of uh, uh, stay for a few minutes so you can turn. Acts 18. And we're going to learn about this couple. You probably have heard about them before. Their names were Aquila and Priscilla. Anybody like those two couple, that couple, that man and woman, husband and wife? If you don't know who they are, you're going to learn a little bit about them today. So turn to Acts 18. And we're going to start in verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. All the Jews had to leave Rome. He didn't want them there. So this couple had come to Corinth, and Paul happens to meet them when he shows up there, and he went to see them, and because, verse three, he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So this couple were, were not professional Christians, okay? They were not missionaries. They were not apostles like Paul. They were tent makers, but let's learn a little bit more about them. Skip over to verse 18. So Paul is there spending some time with this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, in Corinth. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And who did he take? And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. So in this short time, he has become very close to Aquila and Priscilla, and he takes them when he leaves Corinth and heads for Syria. At Sancria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow, and they came then to Ephesus. So they left Syria went to Ephesus. And he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So Aquila and Priscilla, continuing to build this relationship with the Apostle Paul, he takes them, he's, he's moving from place to place, he's taking them with him, and then he's still doing his thing, going to the synagogues, they're making tents, and he leaves them at home one day, and he's going, and he goes to the synagogue, reason with the Jews. Skip down to verse 24. We learn a whole lot about this couple. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Okay? So there they are in Ephesus. And here comes this guy, Apollos. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So what does that mean? He had not been clued in yet to the Holy Spirit and the things that had began happening after Jesus had gone back to heaven, okay? He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him there. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. What does all this mean? Paul meets Aquila and Priscilla, obviously spends a good amount of time with them. And do you think he was trying to increase their capacity? Absolutely. Takes him with him where he goes. And then they meet this guy, Apollos, and do they get mad at him when he says something wrong? No, they pull him aside, and they teach him even more accurately so that then he can increase the capacity of those he sees. They even send him off to a different place, Achaia, and they, they write a letter to the people there, the disciples, to say, make sure you welcome this guy because he's a good speaker, and he now knows exactly what to say. And it even tells us that he goes there, and he lets people know that Jesus is the Christ, Do you see the the multiplication happening, the the filtering down because of those who are willing to build the capacity of others, not only themselves? My brother Jonathan, I don't know if you know, he wrote a book called Gospel Family. It's available on Amazon for $14.99, and you should buy it. (laughs) In that book, he's talking about... um, Family discipleship, family missions, family worship. And this is what he says in a chapter. He says, As a result of making disciples together as a family, Aquila and Priscilla received the blessing of being used by God to explain the way of God to a missionary, Apollos, in such a way that he is able to disciple other believers, teaching that Jesus is the Christ. It reminds us of reproducing discipleship that takes place when we are faithful to obey the Great Commission. And this is that same reproducing discipleship that we uh, heard about earlier in 2 Timothy when Paul says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Same idea. We also know that Aquila and Priscilla... Again, just tent makers, they continued their influence with others because in Romans chapter 16, Paul is greeting people and he greets the church that meets in the home of Aquila and Priscilla. So by this point in their ministry, they're even hosting or leading a small church family in their home. I mean, it just continues to to go on and on and on. They are people who are willing to invest in others, increasing the capacity of others for the kingdom of God. Paul says in Galatians 1, he tells us that what he taught to others, the gospel, he first received from who? Jesus. Remember his walking on the road, being blinded thing? And Jesus met Paul and told him everything about the gospel. So so Paul learned that from Jesus. And then we see here in in our passage, 2 Timothy, that he passes it on to Timothy. Okay? So Jesus, Paul, Timothy. Timothy is supposed to pass it on to who? Faithful men, and then faithful men will pass it on to others. Five generations. I love that. That multiplication, that passing down of Christ, the gospel, for the building up of the kingdom, not so that we feel good about ourselves. This is one of my favorite pictures in our home. Isn't that a good picture? That's baby Ainsley. And that's Brooke and Brooke's mom, Sharon. Sharon. And Sharon's mom, Anita, Anita's mom, Nana, Anna Lee, five generations. And I'm thankful to say that because of her willingness, Annalise, to increase the capacity of Anita, she passed Christ down to her, and Anita to Sharon, and Sharon to Brooke, and Brooke to Ainsley, and it goes on and on and on, five generations, just like our verse today. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, I love that, and that's what we're talking about. What you have heard from me and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. As I think through my life, there's been a, a handful of people who are willing to increase my capacity. Can you think of people like that who did that for you? People who cared um, not as much about themselves, but more about the person that I would eventually become. See, as an adult, now I can look back and I see what they were doing because as a kid, you don't realize that those are, their people are doing that. Some of them were, were teachers, coaches, family, friends, um, Sunday school teachers. And, and one of the people that I've been thinking of a lot lately, his name is Dan Rowland, okay, Dan Rowland. I'll tell you a little bit about Dan. Dan was mine and Brooke's youth minister when we were our high school age. And Dan was this big, strong, fun guy, Loved sports. He was a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. (laughs) Terrible. He was also really kind and gentle, and he loved the Lord. Anytime you would see Dan, he would have something to speak about the Lord. In fact, a lot of times he would start singing about the Lord. He wasn't that great of a singer, but he loved to sing about Jesus. Like, you'd be around, and he, I just remember him singing songs and teaching us songs, and you know, us cool 11 graders, we're like, oh, stop, please, you know. But I remember, so now I see what he was doing. He taught us how to be Jesus followers, and I've got no doubt in my mind that he is one of the huge reasons that myself, my brother, some of our closest friends accepted the call into ministry and missions. I have no doubt in my mind. Well, we've kept up with Dan through the years, you know, Facebook and everything. He's a pastor now somewhere in Pennsylvania. And most recently in the last year, Dan was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. This is really bad. It's, it's one of the worst diagnoses you can get. And he's still young. He's got young children. And so this diagnosis has been completely devastating, you know. So, I don't know what the rest of Dan's life is going to look like, or even how long it will last, because I understand that this disease will eventually kill him, but my prayer is that he finds comfort in knowing that in his life, he spent time investing in others, increasing the capacity of others, not just trying to build the legend of Dan, and that It is because of him that they, in turn, are trying to do the same thing and increasing the capacity of those who they have influence on and that his investment continues to live on. See, when you invest in yourself, you know what happens with that investment when you die? It dies along with you. But when you invest in others, when you die, it continues on long after you are gone. Isn't it cool that how, how Frank started with Lance when he showed up? It, it was just like the first year. Remember the first year, two years ago, when Frank showed up at the food pantry and Ray was there and he said, oh, oh, well, maybe I can you know, write a check or something and Ray handed him the ladle and he said, ladle is, is, is how we do this, this is how we serve, this is how we invest in others. And now we, we've, we've followed his story. Frank's come a long way And now here's another man, someone who's a younger colleague, who's going to take over his position, and he could be upset about that because he's kind of been forced out in a way that's kind of weird anyways and probably not his fault necessarily, right? But what's his attitude? His attitude is to bring Lance along and say, man, I'm thinking if he's going to take over for me, I I need him to be the kind of man that will then teach what I teach him to someone else and invest in the people here. So, whoever that's going to be to follow me, I need to make sure that I increase their capacity greatly. I think about that as us, we can do that when we train someone up to take our position. I won't be the guy, you know, dancing with the guitar forever, right? I mean, y'all don't want me to do that when I'm 60, probably. (laughs) I think about that, you know, with Braxton a lot. I think about, you know, what do I say to him? Huh? Yeah, I'll quit. I know. I know it's very distracting. I think about that with Braxton. You know, he's going to come behind me. He's got my name because my name was Williams. His name is Williams. I think about that. I remember, you know, we, we videoed a few guys. I remember, you remember that video, Mike, that we made um, on a Father's Day? And I remember Mike talking about um, his dad passing and now him becoming that head of that family and how grateful he was for the things he had learned. And But it was also very apparent to me that Mike was very concerned that he would then pass those same things down to his sons. So we think about these things as we get older. But it's not only just in our family because not only do I want to increase Braxton's capacity to, to know how to have a good family or to, to love his wife or to take care of his kids and, and, and to, and to you know, be wise with his decisions, but I, as a Christian, want to increase people's capacity to know Jesus. So it's even different than just those people who are trying to increase the capacity of their children who don't know the Lord because as a Christian, it's our job to make sure that the gospel of Christ continues on when we are gone. That's our crown. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, you are my crown. He wasn't talking about all those people he taught how to make tents. He wasn't so excited that the tent-making business was going to continue. He was excited that God's kingdom was going to continue to expand. Watch this final clip.
1: A friend of mine was invited to a gathering one time where a bunch of rich folk or high-capacity people, as they call them, got together to write big checks for charity. Now don't get me wrong, financial capacity can help solve plenty of problems, but we know by now that generosity is about so much more than money. God made us to be complete in Him. We're made in the image of the greatest giver in the universe. We're created for a rich, full-hearted generosity, financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. All things we are given, we can give to others. And we can help others learn to give them as well. You see, the legacy of your generosity is not just about what you give. It's also about what others give because of the generosity of Christ that they see modeled in you. Think of the widow who gave her two pennies at the temple. She sure wouldn't have been invited to the high capacity luncheon. But Jesus said that she gave more than all the rest because she gave everything she had and she inspired countless generations to give all they had. What a legacy. The apostle Paul refers to the people he is invested in as his joy and crown. Who will be your joy and crown? How can you use your gifts to help others achieve their potential? If we're made in the image of the great giver, then helping your brothers and sisters awaken to generosity is helping them become more fully who they were created to be in Christ. That's a significant gift, a true legacy. God's planted a seed of generosity in every one of us. Let's water that seed in ourselves and cultivate the same growth in one another. How can you inspire generosity in the people around you? How can you make yours a more generous family or a more generous church? Remember, you don't have to have a high net worth to have a high capacity. We
0: started off earlier talking about if we want to be truly generous we have to learn that it's okay for us to take everything that we have and be willing to give every bit of that away at some point. That we don't just mark down which things we're willing to part with and then on the other side Mark down all the things that we want to make sure we keep those for ourselves. The, the crazy thing is sometimes we can even do these things and be called generous people. You know, and, and that's a lot of times what we do. We tend to make sure we've taken care of everything over here that we need and want. And then out of our excess, we give a little bit away and people go, he's very generous. But that was the difference in the people that were standing in line dropping a bunch of coins into the box And the widow who gave all that she had. And when Jesus said that she had given more, it's because she had understood that being generous meant being willing to part with everything that you have, not just your excess. And we're going to learn more about that next week. So, increasing the capacity of others, it takes intentionality. That's the first thing I want you to know. If you're going to leave a a legacy, that's what we've been saying for nine and a half years here leave a legacy. If you want to do that, it takes intentionality. You've got to intentionally find the people that you have influence over and increase their capacity so that it goes on. It takes putting others' interests before your own. And it means being willing to give up all that you've received so that others in turn can learn to give up all that they have as well. I hope you'll come back next week because we're going to finish this series and it's going to be a really great time. The last video is excellent. I've already sneak peeked it. And hopefully we're going to learn about giving out of our essence, not just our excess. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I'm really thankful for our church family here at Heritage. And I pray... Um, That you are encouraging us through this series to become more generous givers. Financially, yes, but so much more than that. That you would be encouraging us to be givers of ourselves, our time, our love, our life. That we would be looking to increase the capacity of others, not just our own. That our priority would be that that would go on beyond us. I pray today that as we leave, you've already put people in our minds, specific names. And you are saying to us, increase his capacity, increase her capacity. That you're already showing us ways to go about doing that. And we know that beyond all things that we can give for someone is that we can give them the love of Christ. Preaching the gospel of Jesus to all that we come in contact with. Because that is increasing their capacity to increase your kingdom which is the main role that we want to play in this story of our life. Thank you for your love, and I pray today that you've been honored in what we've done here today as we meet. We love you, Jesus. Amen.